0: And now it is my honor and privilege to introduce our speaker for this morning. He is our inspired and inspiring visionary spiritual leader. Please join me in welcoming our senior pastor, Reverend Patrick Cameron.
1: Good morning. Gonna gonna hide my third cup of the second cup here. All right. So welcome. Anybody here for the first time? You are not. (laughs) Maybe emotionally you are. But all right. Awesome. Well, nice to have you here. So what we typically do, and we'll do it again today, is we're gonna sing a song and say a prayer. If you'd like to stand to do that, you're more than welcome. If not, please stay seated.
2: And so I invite you to know
1: with me in this moment as we stand grounded in the truth and the understanding and the welcoming and the remembrance of who we are and who we emanate from and in and through and as each and every one of us, it is the vibration of the Most High. It is a presence. It is an unconditional love. It is a divine wisdom. It is the perennial truth here and now being made manifest in and through and as each and every one of us. And so as we open to that, as we understand that we are always being informed and guided, as we open to that conversation we welcome it all understanding it is all life it is all God it is all good and it is for each and every one of us and so may I this day be transformed into a bigger possibility a larger opening for that expression and I invite you to say yes to that idea as well if it fits for you this day I know that something powerful and wonderful is unfolding in and through and as each and every one of us as we come together in this collective celebration and recognition and remembrance of who we are. For this I give thanks knowing every good thing is in place. I give thanks knowing that the divine bounty that, is, that we are seeking is here right now. With that known and said and expressed and impressed upon this infinite law that always says yes. I give thanks knowing that greatest good for myself and for each person in agreement with these words. It is already here now. For this I give thanks. It is already done. And together we say, and so it is. So let's, thank you. Please be seated. I bought them a dozen donuts, that's why they're rushing out the door right now. But I said they had to stay till I did the prayer, so. Not really. We had uh, gone for a week, seems like a month, was a great thing. You know, I was standing at the door and I was saying, giving hugs out at the first service and... uh, somebody had this red scarf on, and I said, love that red scarf. And they said, here, it's yours. I got two. So I think that'll be my new tradition. As I stand at the door and I say, I like something, <laughs> I, will, I will never have to buy another sport coat, shirt, shoes, socks. I like that. So there was a ship sailing, and the ship uh, had a, a um, uh, bishop on it, one of the Christian missionaries back in the the 1700s and they came upon this tropical island and there were three men there there were three natives that were were fishing and the bishop walked up to him and, and uh, greeted him and the men said and they recognized the outfit the, the collar and all that and they said we christian we three christian and the bishop said that's wonderful He says, "Yeah, a uh, 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 long time ago another uh, uh, priest came and, and taught us how to pray and so the bishop said well let me hear your prayer and so they said well uh, all three of them stood there and they said, our, our Father, who art in heaven, and that's all they could remember. And he said, that's all you remembered? And he said, yeah. They said, yeah, but, but we have our own prayer. And he said, what's, the, what's your prayer? And they said, they, they said, when we pray, we look up to heaven and we say, we three, you three, have mercy on us. And the bishop says, oh, that's a horrible prayer. And so he sits them down and for the next month, he teaches them the Our Father. And so the bishop leaves. He sails off to other places. And several months later, he's coming back through this chain of islands. And it's evening, and they're, they're, they're anchored outside the bay of this particular area where he would encountered these three individuals. And he sees this light walking towards the ship or moving towards the ship. And he, as he follows it and follows it, it's the three men standing with a lantern. And they've walked out to the ship on the water. And the bishop looks at them and says, and he's just astounded, and he said, Can I help you? What's, what's going on? And he said, Father, we need your help. We forgot the prayer. <laughs> and he said, You go back. Your prayer is, We are three. You are three. Have mercy on us. That'll be good enough. And the reason I tell you this story is, we don't live in the box of how the prayer has to be done. It is the consciousness, and those three individuals are a reflection of consciousness. You know the infamous story of of Jesus walking on the water, and it's really and it's a metaphor. Whether he walked on water or not, it's the metaphor for for that that knowing. When Peter got out of the boat, whenever he started to sink, he would sink because he took his gaze off the Christ. And it's the Christ consciousness that's the value in it for us. It's the Christ consciousness that he recognized and understood. And, uh, and this past week, was, uh, we were in Denver, and we were there celebrating the Christ Consciousness. We were there celebrating the oneness. Last Saturday, it was Saturday, it seemed, and it just seems like forever, but I went down and I, I was uh, asked once again to, to teach the leadership portion of the, the ministerial intensive, which is our, our ministerial students who have spent the last two years in study to either be approved or not approved as, as, as ministers. And so I... I uh, went down early on Saturday and, and uh, did that presentation. And it, for 16 or 17 students, but for me it's always wonderful to do because it reminds me of our journey. So each year I've done it a different way, and this year I threw it all out and, and, and redid it because the story has changed. And I think that's important. Because, and part of it is when story changes, there's loss. We give things up. One of the wonderful things about it was that we now have uh, three new ministerial graduates that two of them are here today I, I guess Tammy has decided that now that she's graduated she doesn't need to come to church anymore but, <laughs> but I want to uh, acknowledge and have these amazing teachers and, and, and have been teaching for a long time not since they've become ministers but have been a, an amazing part of our community and I just want to honor and celebrate the success of Reverend Julie Tokachuk and Reverend Sue Stevens Could you stand up? On, stand up
2: there they are And
1: so I'm, I'm, I am. Really, I am so proud. We were Reverend Catherine McCloud and I team taught this class, and we were there to support them. It was just so much fun to watch them. Um, and it's a rite of passage. And it has. It has. There's a. There's a something that happens. There's a shift or a change that happens. So it's really fun to be able to, to watch their gifts be celebrated, not just here, but so many people were so impressed, involved well with the process of our students, and um, I was so. I was really proud as well. So. Thank you both, and wherever Tammy is, I 'll talk to her later, I guess. <laughs> but our teaching, you know what, what is this thing? this Center for Spiritual Living, and what is it that we teach? And it, you know, it's pretty simple. Conscious, consciousness precedes experience. And uh, I'm going to share with you a, a few things that happened over the last uh, several weeks that really brought it home to me. David White was there, and David White is a wonderful poet. He came to our our banquet the final evening. There's 600 people in the room. I'm going to share a portion of it with you on the screen here before we leave today. But David, uh, David in his his book, The Three Marriages, we've been talking about love this month. And Catherine Ponder's book has been the book of the month, The Prospering Power of Love. She gives great examples in here about what love does for us when we activate love in our lives. It's just wonderful. I've got it all uh, all these little tags in here are, are my book. I, I've marked all the affirmations that I like, and they're full of wonderful affirmations, and she gives reasons for it. She talks this week about, or at least the portion I read about, angels and how to pray to someone's angels. Now, being raised Catholic and having saved holy cards most of my life, I, cut a, I quit it a couple years ago, but it was great as a kid because you could always trade, you know, two St. Josephs for St. Anthony, and we'd, we'd, we'd be in the back, you know, we'd... Is you sometimes you get duplicates or triplicates and so um, uh, I, I get all that for me I, you know when i hear the idea of angels i always encourage people look angels are higher thoughts there's many realms and i don't understand all of them the teacher jesus said there are many mansions in my father's house and i do believe there's an angelic realm i believe that completely what i encourage people to do is to take ownership of their own lives and so for me to start talking about angels sometimes i i think it can be confusing for people but we are always supported and i think when we we, we pray to another another one's angels it's really about seeing the divinity and it's a higher idea it's a bigger idea but it's not abdicating uh, authority or responsibility in our lives and most of my life I abdicated authority one of the things and challenging things about this is that I know for everything that shows in my life up in my life I'm responsible and it's a breakaway and a big part of what I think our our journey requires of us is the ability to to manage loss and as I've, the last uh, month has been a really interesting journey in terms of that. We, um, three weeks ago, uh, Sunday, three weeks ago, we did a memorial service here for Eva Boyley. And Eva, which goes along with ever, uh, ever After, Everlasting, Eva made her transition. She had been part of our community and our pastoral care team worked with her, a lovely lady, and uh, her body finally gave out That's about four weeks ago. And we did a beautiful, very intimate memorial service in the Solarium. We got home from that. Uh, Laura and I got home that Sunday. And uh, there was a phone call left for me, a message left. And it was a high school, a grade school and high school friend that I just... We've, she's always reached out and stayed in touch. And when, when Laura and I lived in California, she tracked me down. And just a wonderful lady, her and her husband and, and children, and just a beautiful, beautiful presence. And has taught many of my nurse, nieces and nephews in school... And so it's just interesting how it's all woven together. Anyway, she called and left a message that uh, my high school girlfriend, who's very, still very close, uh, her son, if, I don't know if you recall, but a few weeks back there was an airplane accident in Boulder, Colorado. A young man was towing a glider and another plane broadsided the plane and the three people in the motorized planes all died. The guy in the glider with two other people, he released the, the tow cord as he saw it com- happening and they flew through the debris and they were, they were spared. The young man towing the glider was the son of my high school girlfriend. And so I, I thought it was very interesting. I got this information. They tracked me down because I, I wouldn't have had any point of reference, been out of touch with her. for uh, so I, Laura and I ran into her and her kids, and we had our children back at the, in Minnesota when I went home to see my parents about nine years ago. Anyway, it turns out it was her son. And it turns out that the minister's conference was going to be a leadership conference, Uh, the title of being Woven in Love Leadership Gathering Woven in Love uh, because we were coming back together the reintegration and this was our first joint ministers conference in in a long time so the United Group of uh, Centers for Spiritual Living and the International Centers for Spiritual Living all showed up about 600 of us there anyway it turns out the memorial service was on the Monday when I'm in Denver and Evergreen is where the young man grew up this happened in Boulder it was about a 45 minute drive so I went out to, to the um, memorial, and it was amazing. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever been involved with. It was also one of the saddest things. Probably a thousand people showed up. I think a sanctuary that probably sat five hundred, another five hundred in the foyer. Uh, beautiful story shared, and uh, I I went to find my friend uh, afterwards. Uh, The Marines were there. It was fun. I sat with the Marines, and I just thought, this is just so cool, because these guys, and he had been a Marine, this young man, 26 years old, graduated from university, had completed um, air traffic control school, and I have a buddy, a real close friend that had done that, and that's a tough, tough curriculum. Uh, And then went over, joined the Marines, went over to Iraq and helped land and and take off planes for a number of years. Came back, had his dream job towing these gliders, flying around the Rocky Mountains, just a wonderful generous soul never met him didn't even know about this young man until this happened but I I I went to find my friend Mary Mary's her name and I went into to the room where she was sitting and they weren't letting people in so I I just literally elbowed my way in and no one no one grabbed onto me but they were just trying to you know protect her and she was still she's just been crushed by this and uh as I stood there, I said, Mary, it's Pat. And she said, oh my God, I didn't even recognize you. And so I leaned down to give her a hug, and she said, "Um, you know, who would have ever thought we'd ever be doing this? And I said, yeah. And we just started to sob. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. And then she asked me if Laura was with me, because she remembered Laura when we first met. I said, no, she couldn't. She couldn't be here, but uh, I just wanted to come and tell you I love you. And our friend Mary, Mary Beth Cosgrove, I said, Cos said I was supposed to give you a big hug," and I wanted to make sure I did that. And then I was going out the door, and I, as I got out into the hallway, and it was just a mass of people. I mean, one person literally had to move so somebody else could move through. Um, and I, her, I, her daughter was standing there, and I said, "Her name's Jana." I said, "Jana, I've never met you, but my name is Pat, and I knew your mom in high school." And she says, "Oh, Pat, we know all about you." <laughs> And, uh, and she said, you know, you help shape our, your mom and you help shape each other's lives. And I thought, yeah, that's so true. And so I gave her my card. I said, let your mom know. Because I could tell when I got done. After that sort of encounter, I gave her a hug. Uh, I could tell she just went back into wherever she was going just to sustain and, and get through it. And so got done with that. Um, then the Sunday, the Sunday prior, about... Two hours and five minutes ago, I got a text message from Laura that uh, one of our newer members, a guy that used to sit right down here each Sunday, uh, last Sunday, 2 o'clock in the morning, so I guess it would have been Saturday night, made his transition, Barry Weaver. And I don't know if you know Barry or not, but Barry was an amazing guy. He used to sit right down here. When he first started coming here, he came to every service. He would come to this one. He would come to the the early one. He would come to the 4 o'clock. He'd come Wednesday. He never missed the meditation. Every Sunday, he would come and find me, and he would grab my little, he grabbed me by the elbow, and he said, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for what you're doing and what a difference you've made in my life. And, you know, at the time, because it he, he was so regular, I mean, if, if Barry wasn't here, and he, he was always here, but I just came to expect it, and I knew Barry would show up, and he would just want to express his gratitude. And, you know, I, I thought about all this Life, why we don't, David White talks about being in the conversation a lot. That deeper conversation, we're called, we're all called, we all have gifts, we all have talents we've shown up for. And if we listen closely, if we have, and I believe it's through spiritual practice, I believe it's through paying attention, we can answer the call. And the interesting thing about listening and being in that conversation is that a lot of it we'll never understand. Because we're so linear, a lot of times we think, well, this is just more confusion. But if we listen to the call and we, and we realize the doors that are open for us, what's being called, what's being brought into our experience? And I realized for me that with going, what was happening, we'll watch Ava Boyle, make, Ava Boyle make her transition. I go home and I learn about Alexander Gilmer, who was killed in the plane accident. And then Barry makes his transition. And I know that uh, Sue Stevens' father-in-law Pat, just made his transition recently. And I just heard that Pam Smith's mother passed away. So Pam, I didn't know that until 15 minutes ago. But all of these things are a representation of loss. And yet, they're memories. Barry, I'll always, I'm wearing this coat today because Barry wore one just like it. And we used to kid each other about we're wearing each other's jacket today. And when I had mine on and he had his on, I used to say, Man, you look good today. What a lovely jacket. And, he would, and he, was, he, was just, he would show up with his friend Terry. They went to the Pastor Discovery class, all three of them, and they were just the life of the party. And, and Barry would say every week to everyone that, that his friend Terry and he were, they were a couple. They were there together. And I'd say, you know, you may not want to say that. Some people are going to start believing you too. And he would just laugh and laugh and laugh and just a wonderful spirit. But Barry is still with me. Those, those that we love are always with us. And, and so this is apparent loss. But our essence, our spiritual essence is always with us, wherever we are, whether they're physically with us or not. They just are. And you know that. And it's difficult to explain that. But that's part of that conversation as well. It's that ancestry, as David White says, that the genius that we live from. It's the ancestry that is part of us and it's hardwired into us. And so to be willing to be in the conversation and be willing to, to understand that we become the prayer, just like these three men said, we are three, you are three. Have mercy on us. That was their prayer. That moved them into the space of divine grace and possibility. We use a five-step or a seven-step affirmative prayer. And that is our tool. But that tool is nothing more than empty words until we own it, until it's ours. And at that point in time, then it doesn't matter what the words are because it is the consciousness upon the words and within the words We can get up and say the same words that that Jesus of Nazareth said, but but what he was, what he represented, and what we celebrate here is consciousness. He understood his unbroken connection. It wasn't until the 4th century they decided that he was the one and only Son of God. Up until then, he was celebrated as a healer and as a teacher and as a rabbi. And then all of a sudden, there was this idea that, that he was the one. David White has a, I wanted to share this with you, because I think it is just so, it speaks so clearly to me, this whole idea. And this is from his book, The Three Marriages. He said there's three marriages in life. One is to, one is to another person. Anybody here ever been married besides me? Yep, I've done it a couple times. Had that practice marriage for a while, and uh, prepared me for this one. But And as he says, why would anybody in their right mind ever do that? And yet we do, because we're called to it. And what we think before we get into it is we have one idea before we get into it, and then when we come together, all of a sudden we're called to other things we can't even imagine. He talks about the marriage to work. When you find your vocation, when you fall in love with your work, it's an amazing thing. But most of us, many people never have the opportunity to fall in love with their work. And the other piece of the marriage is self, marrying self, and being in that conversation. But David White talks about this old idea and for me I share this with you because this is part of what I had to put down and for many of us when we come from traditions that we have to let go of we mourn it it's a loss see our whole tradition is one about putting things down and loss it's not about adding more and more it's the revelation of the divine when Catherine Ponder talks about angels the angels of each one's nature it is that divine essence of life it is that higher conversation and that's what we do in our our tradition despite the story is to acknowledge that and see that for one another. David White says the belief that born to darkness we needed to be saved by a future intercessory light seemed to go against the everyday evidence and delight of my childhood. So, in other words, this idea that we're born into uh, original sin, and I was brought up in that tradition. I was born in original ignorance, not original sin. The sense of a hidden bullseye burning away in the center of my chest, it certainly seemed to go against the evidence of the community that surrounded me. My Irish and Yorkshire family and friends were no paragons of virtue, but they were people who, in the midst of their many flaws and multitudinous setbacks, in the midst of scrapping by penniless from week to week, always seemed to want to do the right thing. not true, most of us? Despite whatever the conditions in our life are, we have the, the aberrant few, that will do certain things and, and that we don't have to agree with, we don't support. But the mu- multitude of people I know are always striving to do the right thing. This notion of being born with a built in bias to sin also seems simplistic and unnuanced and seemed to say more about St. Augustine, the deeply unlikable, guilty, puritanical cohorts who came after him, and the anxieties of the dying Roman ages he was born into than anything that was true about the world I inhabited. One of the things I love about it is he says the conversation in this book, and he, he goes back to it many, many times, it's what we're called to, what you're called to and what I'm called to. And much of what part of the loss that goes on is, is putting those things down, those ideas that we received as children. And, and the idea, too, that if we, if we put it down, we in some way are insulting or not honoring our heritage and our tradition. Well, my journey about putting down my, my, my birth tradition, I can love that tradition and I can see all the beauty in it and I can see all the good in it and build upon it and understand it really is my opportunity and your opportunity to not just... The idea was for me was to, to go through Jesus was to, to get to God. And I can understand that now. But for me, it's, it's giving birth to the Christ consciousness so I can live from that. When I went to the memorial service for my friend, my high school friend, I realized the only thing I could do was be fully present in unconditional love. That's the only thing I could do. And you know What? At that point in time, that's enough. With my friend Barry, we're going to go over, Laura and I are going to go over this afternoon and talk about. We're doing the memorial here tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. If you can be here, I'm sure Barry would love to have you here. But to be present with one another. And even though the form has changed, that essence, that divine essence, still lives. They talked about it at our, our last week. We talked about the spirit of Ernest Holmes being present in the room, about the reintegration of our organizations and coming together in a, in a new way, a new idea. And it's not about two organizations coming back together. It's about giving birth to a new organization. Dr. Holmes had this to say about the split. It was one of the things that that really troubled him. The, the two organizations split in 1960, and it wasn't about principle. It wasn't about what we teach. It was simply about about governance. It was simply about who was going to be in charge. And as you know with metaphysicians, it's like herding cats, getting them to agree on anything. So... Is it a surprise in any way, shape, or form that we, we split apart? Here it is. Dr. Holmes said this, I am sure your interest in the permanency of the movement, the same as mine is, even though we are on two sides of the same coin, are two different organizations, of course I know the whole thing will come back together when the right time comes. Because it is a logical thing to do. And I think in the long run, common sense usually wins. In the long run, common sense usually wins. And this is what's happening. We realize that what we are asked to do on this planet is much bigger than fighting with one another. And you can feel it. The whole atmosphere, the whole week was just this, this collegial sense of, of mutual love and respect. And that, yeah, they have challenges, we have challenges, but, you know, we've got work to do on the planet. And I'm more interested in that than I am, and it's moving from. If you were with me a few weeks back, I talked about the five tribes around the planet. We're all in a tribe, and part of the most people live in the tribe. I'm great, and you're not. That's the middle tribe. Forty-eight percent of people live in. I'm great, and you're not. We've been doing that as two separate parallel organizations for fifty years, and we're moving into this consciousness of we're great. This organization, this movement, is we're great. And there's some still back in. I'm great, you're not. But ultimately, the fifth level, which is 2% of the population, is life is great. To live from that perspective of life is great. And then all the competition is gone. I had a minister from uh, Vancouver come up to me and say, you know, you just don't seem to be attached to uh, the competition. And I said, I'm not. I, have no, I, I want the best for everybody. I want the best for everybody. And I want the best for myself. And I, want, and I can't have the best myself. I'm selfish about it. I can't have the best for myself unless I'm generous with everyone else. I just can't. It's the way it works. The more we cling, we shut ourselves down. To open ourselves to the love. To open ourselves to the possibilities. What I learned in in Denver, we went to the Mile High. Did you all go? Did you get there? To Mile High? Amazing church. 10,000 members. They just built a $17 million sanctuary. And it was incredible. We went to the Wednesday night. It was just this incredible concert. And many of our leadership and ministers was there. I know Reverend Pat was there, Reverend Pat Bordeaux. Um, It was was an incredible experience. And I thought about all the people, all the people that had come into... Somebody looking for somebody. little boy in a red shirt, if anybody... That makes... uh, Okay. He'll be okay. We haven't lost a kid down there in a couple weeks, so we'll be okay. (laughs) Anyway... I went to Roger Thiel's center, and I thought about all the people that are involved with his leadership and helping him. And I was reminded through David White, I was reading the book on the, coming back yesterday on the airplane, I was reading a story in there about Joan of Arc. And Joan of Arc had three apparitions that showed up for her. And she's real, she's not a fairy tale. But it was St. Catherine, St. Margaret, and St. Michael. And they showed up for her. And what they said is, you, you are going to go, and you're going to lead an army, and you're going to take back this land, and we're going to put the rightful king back into the, into the, the, the throne. And that's what she was directed to do. And in this, Here's this peasant girl. She couldn't read, had no military experience, had no political connections, knew it, nobody, didn't know anybody. But she was deeply in this conversation, and she had this mystical experience. And so she'd meet people of influence, and she would tell them their story. She'd say, I had this dream, and, and what I was told the dream was about this about you. And all of a sudden, these people would hear their story and know it was true. And all of a sudden, she sort of worked. Her, her, she had several experiences of this because she was in that mystical conversation. And so she worked her way up. Eventually, she was given command of an army. She went ahead, and they were victorious, put the king back on the throne. And then the king that she supported to be back on the throne betrayed her. And, of course, you know the story. She was burned at the stake. But the thing is, I looked at Roger Thiel and what has, he has grown there and the consciousness and the teamwork and our opportunity here in, in terms of letting other people, giving it away and letting other people play in their gifts, it's the only healthy and sane way to do this and to share and to just ask for help. And what Joan of Arc did, she asked for help. What Roger Thiel has done so well is he's asked for help. And I realize that w- this teaching is so powerful. This teaching is so wonderful to have in our lives. I feel so blessed. When I was at that memorial service, and in in mourning with my friend I heard about Barry I was so happy to have this teaching because it would have been real easy for me to to bring the consciousness forward that I got as a young boy and then gnash my teeth and want to tear my hair out or be just in in absolute despair and yet I realized life is a continuum there is a conversation so now I feel Barry up here today with me I I feel Eva Boyley up here with me today I sense her essence and all of those that, that we love are always with us and so the lesson is for many of us because we get here and we take responsibility for our lives and then we think we don't need one another anymore. But we need one another more than ever. We need to be able to see the angelic realm. We need to be able to call forth the divine within one another because as we call it forth in one another, we call it forth in ourselves. Everything gets elevated and love is the answer. Catherine Ponder's book, she's got all these tools in there. To move out of that sense of whatever it is that is restricting the genius that is seeking expression by means of us. If it's forgiveness, if it's calling forth, seeing the divine, if it's silently loving, silently loving. Before I got on the plane to go to Denver, I walked through, I was walking through the terminal. And I said, you know what? I usually, I go, I go, I go to sleep here usually. I just started blessing everybody. I just started walking through and say, I love you. I just love you. I love you. Catherine Ponder writes about it over and over and over again in this book. You want to heal relationship with someone? Silently love them. Even if they don't deserve it. Even if it's counterintuitive. Love them. Elevate that conversation. And as I'm walking through the, the airport, I just thought, you know, this is going to be an amazing flight. I sit down. I sit down next to this woman. We start talking. She's read every book we have in our bookstore. She's seen the secret a hundred times. She knows all the language. She knows all the things. And we're having this great conversation back and forth. And I said, well, you know what? We have this beautiful community of, of, of intentional livers, of, of people that understand and are doing everything they can to know that consciousness precedes experience. We celebrate ancient wisdom. Ancient wisdom, I told her, ancient wisdom is, all, all wisdom is plagiarism. All, all wisdom is plagiarism. The only thing that's original is stupidity. Because we've all been originally stupid in our lives. I have anyway. But I know that's true. But all wisdom is plagiarism. Because truth is truth. So we're talking to her about this thing. And then finally, I said, what do you do for work? And she said, well, I go and find land for people that are building a dentist office. I said, really? I said, well, you know, we're thinking about a new community here. A new center. And she said, well, she said, I can find some land for you. I said, well, we don't have any money to buy any land. She said, you don't need money. So give me a business card. Well, yeah, I like this thinking. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, when you all of a sudden you step out of, oh boy, I'm gonna be on a plane for three hours, and man, I hope I sit next to somebody that, you know, whatever. And I just said, you know what? Let's shift this. Let's raise the level. How many times do we do that? How many times do I do that? You know, I, I when I gotta go, I know I'm gonna go stand in line somewhere, I'm usually thinking, How long am I gonna stand in line? That's my prayer. How long am I gonna stand in line? Rather than say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and everything is going to move so beautifully and quickly. I'm going to meet the right and perfect people in all these experiences. There's Dave Rochefort. His mother just made her transition two weeks ago. I mean, I can look around this auditorium and see people that I love that have, have helped shape... You know, when that young, the daughter of my friend in high school said, oh, you two shaped each other's lives. We've all helped shape each other's lives. We're here by divine right appointment to look at it and to be in that conversation, as David White says. And we'll never understand all of it. But to be willing to understand that life is lost. Life is, is, is transformation and transition. And in order to move into the new idea, many times we have to surrender those old ideas we've hung on to. And they've served us well. When I share to you about my early exposure to Catholicism, I love all of it. I bless all the saints. I bless all the angels. I bless whatever they were teaching. Because it all brought me to where I am today. And what's, where I am today has given me a tremendous appreciation for a lot of the wisdom that was being shared from that perspective. But the consciousness that was being shared from wasn't setting me on fire. You know what I mean? But it's just what, it, it was what it was. And I bless them all. I bless them all. It's just consciousness. It's all consciousness. And when you have that teaching, when you have this teaching in your life as, as consistently as possible... Then you can stand in the loss with people and you can, you can be in the sorrow with them and yet know that, you know what, this is the continuum. I leaned down and gave my friend a hug and she said, I love you, and I said, I love you. And we just sobbed for 20 seconds. And, and, and so to be able to be fully present as a practitioner, as someone that understands the truth of our teaching, for us to come back together as an organization the United Centers for Spiritual Living, the International Centers for Spiritual Living. For us to come back together, we have to put down. We have to surrender, and it's a loss, to give birth to the new organization. It scares a lot of people. We we get scared when we think we're going to lose something, and there's nothing to lose. There's only a bigger idea to step into. But if we've had the loss... If we've had things taken away from us unexpectedly, why wouldn't we be scared of loss? One of the reasons that, uh, the, the reasons that uh, David White said we don't enter into the conversation more readily is because we've had so much loss in our lives. And it's painful. Byron Katie would say, love what is. She's saying the exact same thing. She's saying the same thing Catherine Ponder's saying in her book, the Prospering Power of Love. She's just saying it in a more contemporary language. To love what is. But to love what is, we have to be grounded in the truth of our being. So that whatever shows up, whatever the sorrowful thing knocks on our door, whatever the loss may be, we understand that life is a continuum. That we've all shown up here with gifts and talents and skills. Let's give them to the best of our ability. I fell into the trap with Barry that I thought I was going to see Barry forever. I thought, you know, every Sunday, this is great. Barry always comes by and reminds me, how, what a good job I'm doing, and thanks me. I figured that would go on forever. But it goes on forever in my heart. And, and, and that's the beauty of being able to be awake and aware to our lives and what's happening. It's the beauty of celebrating all of it. We needed as two organizations to split 60 years ago or 50 years ago, whenever it was. We needed to do that because we needed to get clearer in our own consciousness. Because what we have to share with the world is so powerful, it was easier for us to fight with one another rather than to look out and share it. We're giving birth to some amazing things here, things that are changing the world. I watch people's lives. I watch Barry walk in. and I watch the transformation. I watch his loved ones come up to me and say, man, thank you so much for being here. And it's your support and my support. It's these ministers' support, our practitioners' support, the consciousness that has gone into this community. And so, like Joan of Arc, I'm going to be asking you all for more help. I'm going to be asking you for more help with greater clarity about the vision and the the importance of what we're doing. So I'm at this conference, and and on the banquet, there were 600 of us in the room uh, on, on Thursday evening and it was a wonderful event it was probably an hour and a half too long but it was still a wonderful event and, uh, and so the youth were there a number of the youth from our organization and you see it's Teen Sunday today and a number of our teens are here and this young man got up 17 years old and he said the interesting thing about the synchronicity to this here I am in Colorado to go to this memorial that was at the beginning of the week at the end of the week Barack Obama is in the same hotel there's two towers he's in the same hotel doing a fundraiser so, Obama's showing up. You've never seen so many Secret Service police people in your life. And Obama shows up. And so, one of the youth, 17 year old Chris Yamas, or Yanis, showed up. And he decided he was going to go see Obama. But to get in, it was a fundraiser, it was $1,000 to get in and see him. Because he had, when we got there, the, the youth in our baskets all got, everybody got one of these that says Be Love. It's a white wristband that says Be Love on it. So, the teens were giving these out to everybody, right? There's about 30 of them there. You'll hear him screaming on the video I'm going to show you. And Chris Giannis got up. He found somebody to sponsor him with $1,000. He said, I've got a letter I want to give Obama. I'm going to give him a wristband, and I'm going to read this letter to him. And so he went into this. He got into the venue. And I'm going to have have Adam cue it up right now as Laura dims the lights. And so this is a continuation of that story. But he got into the venue. He started looking for somebody that could get Obama the letter. So watch one of our 17-year-olds and what he has to say. Chris Yamas, sending
0: us so much love energy. They were all with us. We started going around. We we were looking at this person and that person. Like, ooh, does that person look like they're high up? How can we get it? How can we get this to Obama? And so we started asking people, and they kept telling us the same thing. You're not going to be able to get that to him directly. We may be able to find somebody who can give that to him. We kept looking, and every single person we asked help from, we gave... A be love wristband too. So they were carrying the love. They were being the love. And what happened is we assembled a be love team. And so as we would walk around looking for higher up people, we kept getting updated by other people saying, Oh hey, I saw this person, I think she went that way. Okay alright and so we're walking 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 and I said let me go down that way and so I walked down and I go up to this woman and I, uh, and I let her know I have a letter for President Obama and a gift I want to give to him a letter of gratitude can you help me with this and she said yes I can and I, and I said are you sure and she said <laughs> she took the letter and, and she took the wristband and she looked me dead in the eye and she said I know, I know, an affirmation from this woman who happens to be the head of his staff. So I gave that to her, and I just trusted, it's going, and I was ecstatic. I came back to Ursula, and I just smiling, we hugged, and then we went in. And as we stood and watched him spe- speak, uh, we were just taking pictures of each other with him. We were just so excited and uh, just like standing like this. Oh, get it, come in, come in. <laughs> we, he finished, and oh, let me just say, it was fantastic having him. But then we finished, and I had to fight my way to get to the front, just squeezing through, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I get to the front. And I'm holding out my hand, and he is. there's so much commotion. Everybody's trying to talk to him, say something, hold his hand, and he shakes my hand. That's not it. He shakes my hand. He isn't looking directly at me because of all this commotion, and I'm thinking in my head, if I say what I want to say, I don't know if he'll hear me. But I yelled, I love you. And he didn't know where it came from, but he smiled. That big Obama smile. He felt the love. He felt it. And so, I wanna read to you the letter that I wrote to him. So here it is. Dear President Obama, my name is Chris Yamas, and I am a 17-year-old youth representative of the Centers for Spiritual Living. We are meeting in the adjacent tower of the Denver Sheridan this week for a leadership conference. We are an organization that supports unity, love, and leadership in our local, state, national, and international communities. We have many outreach programs, including the Malawi School Project, which involves building schools in impoverished communities, providing them with the infrastructure that they need to be self-sufficient. I went on the school building trip this past summer, and I have now devoted my life to service on an international level. You and I have something in common. We both see ourselves as citizens of the world. In our teaching, a main topic really Our goal is to embody love for ourselves, for one another, and our world. We want to give you this wristband as a symbol of support and faith in you. You are a truly great leader of unity in a troubled world. The wristband says, be love. You already do it so well. Please, take this wristband as a reminder to keep on going. In the face of partisanship, greed, and hurt groups of people wishing retribution on our country, to be love is the only lasting solution. Please remember this, and thank you for all you do. Love and leadership. So, this this large amount of money that was given to get me into the banquet. We want the teams are spread out, and we want to ask you. To please donate whatever you can whatever you are willing to donate to give back to this person and anything that goes over the amount this person gave will go to support the youth scholarship fund thank you
1: so that's one of our 17 year olds that has had the, the beauty of being raised in this tradition and the clarity and the sense of purpose that he brought to that was just, it was just so moving and touching. And so I, um, I want to invite you to think about those folks that have made their transition over the last period of time for people in your life that have made their transition and understand that they're still with us. And it's our, always, always our opportunity to express our love and to be loved in this world. So I want to finish up today with this short chant. You've heard it before. It's from uh, Erica Luckett and uh, Lisa Ferraro who are going to be with us in concert at the end of February? March. Okay. I, I, I don't do the announcements usually.
3: So sacred. So ho secret, so precious this love, so sacred, so secret, so precious this love, so sacred sing it with me, so secret, so precious. This love So sacred So secret So precious This love I will share I will share This love So sacred, so secret, so precious, this love. So sacred, so secret, so precious, this love I will share. I will share This love This love This love This love
2: Be love